In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Jesus says, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. As the Bible story unfolds, we initially hear of creation and God's wondrous acts of deliverance, and we're comforted by all of that. But eventually in scripture we hear a summons to serve that same God who brings us comfort and hope. And sometimes that summons changes us. Sometimes it's even difficult for us. There are times when we desperately need a message of comfort and hope. When we're fed up with ourselves, exhausted from disappointing others, heartsick from knowing that we're more hypocritical than we like to think we are. And so then when God gives us a chance to change, um, that can be a relief. That can be a sign of grace from God. Despair, deep sadness about ourselves in the world, the gloom of the human condition can take on a new opportunity of newness and trying something new again. You know, the idea that every morning when we make up, when we wake up and make the sign of the cross, it's a brand new day to experience God's grace and also to love and serve in the world. At other times, however, maybe we would rather not hear about being made new. Those are the days that we wish that God would just leave us alone for a little bit because we want to stay sunk in our sadness or in our anger. We're locked into ourselves. We don't want to change. So here's the warning that comes with this sermon. Ready or not, willing to be changed or not, this is the announcement that God has for us and the desire for us that we will change in a lot of different ways personally, as a congregation, and hopefully as a community of faith and and a church body and a neighborhood, a city, and the world. So this new commandment is the basis for all of that. It's, um, It's all about love. It shouldn't be a surprise. It's not the first time that God has asked us to do something new, nor is it the first time that God has asked us to love one another. There was a time when God changed the menu and told the faithful they could eat something new. Jesus and his disciples had inherited a centuries-old dietary law from their spiritual ancestors. These laws told them what they could and could not eat. If you're ever bored, turn to Leviticus and read those sections. Do you know what we should not eat? (laughs) Uh, I mean, besides pork and things like that that we know of, I mean, it's vultures and other things. Well, a lot of the things that were in Peter's vision that Ruthann read. Obedience to those kosher laws gave them a sense of being set apart from the rest of the world. It reminded the people of Israel that they were God's chosen ones. Jesus' earliest followers affirmed their plans to continue in this 
prescribed way of eating until Peter heard something new in his dream. And then the story was told in Acts 11, and this was no ordinary dream. It was life-changing when God met Peter and announced that all these things that were on the list of don't eat now miraculously were included. And maybe we don't think about that as being such a, a huge change, but what if you had a vision, you heard God speaking in a dream that you could smoke and drink to excess and eat all the fatty foods you wanted, and it was all part of God's plan. And you announced that to the world. They would think you were crazy. And so they did with Peter. Why did God want Peter to set aside this diet? The story of Jesus born, died, and risen to new life was in the possession of only those who ate kosher food, and this was not acceptable to God. There were others in the world, other races, other religions, those who ate other foods who also needed to hear the story of Jesus. And for that reason, God told Peter and the others to set aside their dietary practices and meet and talk to and eat with Gentiles. Centuries of kosher eating disappeared because of this dream, and all Peter would say in response to his friend's questions was, Who was I that I would hinder God? That's not a bad response when we know that God is leading us somewhere. Who am I to stand in God's way? God told him to change not only his menu, but his outlook on who then God was able to include in that great reign of God. God announced something new in the book of John's revelation as well. God spoke to John in a vision during a time of intense Christian persecution. And in that vision, God saw a new heaven and a new earth and heard that voice from God saying, I am making all things new. John had every reason to be anxious and fearful. We would understand him if he dreamed about a restoration of the glorious past. That's what most of us really want. Well, maybe not most of us, but so often isn't that what people hope for? If we could only go back to the glory days. When we are fearful... We find it easy to want to return to those days. But the vision of God gave John in order to grant him new courage and hope was that God would make all things new. It's not what we do always or necessarily. And in this vision, what was new? No more death, no crying, no pain, because God is with us. Imagine God making all things new. Imagine ourselves encouraged by such a scene where we welcome newness as a gift from God. Imagine Jesus' followers embracing a new vision of what God is doing in our own lives, in our congregation, and in our world. The vision was fully fleshed out in Jesus' new commandment, to us 
that we should love one another. There was Peter's dream, John's vision, and Jesus' commandment. It's not that new because even from the Old Testament time in Leviticus, God told the descendants of Abraham and Sarah, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But maybe Jesus' commandment to love was new because he added this twist. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. Do you believe that God can be behind dreams and visions? Someday I'll tell you about a vision I had early in my life that actually brought me into the ministry. But that's for another time. Sometimes I think when I dream, it's God speaking to me. And then sometimes I clearly know it's not. About four weeks after I started as your interim pastor, I had a dream about this place. I came on a Sunday morning, and people were so excited. You all were so excited. And you know what you were excited about? You had taken all the pews out of the church. You brought all the round tables from the parish hall into the church. You had combined coffee hour and worship because it was going to save some time. And you had redecorated from the top of the ceiling all the way down. You had draped purple fabric with bows everywhere and candlelight everywhere. And someone, and I'm not sure who among you it was, said, Pastor, don't you love what we've done? (laughs) And then I woke up. (laughs) I'm not sure that God is behind every dream that we have. But I do know that God is behind some. I know that there might be some anxiety for all of you as you think about what is ahead for you. I certainly have that anxiety for you, too, a little bit, although I can pretty well tell you that tables in the sanctuary and purple drapes are not going to be the answer. But there are some changes coming your way, right? And if we ask for God's guidance and we seek God's wisdom, these changes will be good for you and good for everyone who comes after you who are part of this lovely and wonderful congregation. This is what God is asking us to remember today. Sometimes going back to the old isn't what God wants. God wants us to open ourselves up to what is new. For us as individuals, it means maybe it's time to break out of our skepticism and our cynicism, which is so easy in San Francisco to have, right? 
break new ground and trust. Trust that God's way of grace and love and forgiveness ultimately triumphs over hatred and greed and competition. Leave behind your despair and despondency over the ways of the world. Stop with all the gloom and doom. Remember the power of hope for our lives and our world. Your mere yearning for a better day is but a step forward in the process of that better day that will come into existence. The powerful gift of God's mere presence was once the fulfillment of a promise, and that fulfilled promise proved God's faithfulness. That's the source of our hope. It's a call to repentance, even in the Easter season, to change our way of thinking and to be open to being made new. The prophets of the old told individuals and nations to acknowledge their wrongdoing and their need to turn their lives around. That message is never out of date. It's an old cry that needs to be heard even in a new day. Don't get so stuck in your ways of doing things or the way you see the world or your views about others that you are immune to what God might be doing in your midst. God used dreams and visions and new commandments to capture the attention of those seeking to follow Jesus' way. These followers were shaken to the core of their beliefs, but transformed so that God could work through them and in them and with them for the world. Don't underestimate God's willingness to use those means to change even you. Amen.